the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Josh Pick is the Chief Investment Advisor with Aptus Wealth Management, a state-registered investment advisory firm. This program is sponsored by Aptus Wealth Management. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell financial vehicles. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with professionals to see if any ideas expressed would fit their specific situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Securities can fluctuate and when redeemed may be more or less than when originally invested. Welcome to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Every week, Josh will teach you ways to help manage, risk, and protect your retirement income in the new economy. The primary focus at Aptus Wealth is to provide flexible planning strategies that can efficiently achieve your long-term retirement goals. Hope you're having a great weekend. Want to thank you so much for joining us this great Saturday. You can always catch us here on the weekend, but also wanted to let you know that Every Monday, you can join Josh with Bruce Hooley. Every Monday at 1230 p.m., they have Money Mondays right here on 98.9 The Answer. Let's talk about retiring in another country today. Some people feel that you get more bang for your buck, and so that's why they consider it. Others are not happy with whoever's in power here in the U.S. and look into just moving. Um, Josh, how complicated is retiring abroad? You hear this a lot uh, from clients saying, wouldn't it be great to you know, live in Costa Rica or wouldn't it be great to be an expat here or there? And then, you know, obviously we hear about the, you know, the celebrities saying if this person gets into power, we're moving out. That certainly happened a lot uh, with Trump. But yet we see that all the people that said they were going to move out of the country didn't seem to move out of the country. That said, um, the idea can be very appealing and romantic, and there's certainly a lot of places. I think you just got back from Italy not too long ago. I'm sure you wouldn't have mind spending just a little bit more time in you know, the beautiful spots of Italy, but there's some challenges, and that is, one is taxes. Depending upon where you go, I think it can be alluring that you know, if I move to this place, the taxes are a lot lower. Well, maybe. You know, a lot of expats are really surprised to learn that you still need to pay U.S. income taxes even though you live in another country. And for the most part, that's true. So don't think that you're necessarily escaping income taxes. But there can be some other benefits, like real estate taxes. Certain countries have very, very low, if no, real estate taxes. Um, The cost of goods and services can be a lot less. But at the same time, that can be a challenge in the way of healthcare. If you think about it, when you retire, uh, what is something that becomes very, very important? And that's healthcare. As we get older, we need more and more of it. Well, certain places uh, don't have great health care, or if they do have great health care, we are all covered under Medicare, but Medicare doesn't cover retirees outside of the United States. So you have to then, in turn, go buy private health care. Now, that can be a good and a bad. Uh, sometimes private health care in other countries can be very good, and it can be less expensive than here in the United States. And you add in things like prescription costs, and it still could be a very strong benefit. It's just important to note that it exists. Um, So I think, you know, the best way to kind of do this, and we're we're even ignoring some of the things like securing residency and making sure that you can stay for a long period of time. Can you, in fact, 
own a piece of property in this particular country and what are the criteria for doing that. Um, but I think the best approach, regardless of whether or not all these things are true, is just give it a test run. You know, and I tell clients to do that regardless of whether or not they're going out of the country or staying in the country. If you want to move to Florida, go rent a place for a month or two and go live where you think you want to live for a month or two. And a lot of clients are very apprehensive about that because they say, well, you know, it's really expensive to rent a place for a couple of months. And I feel like I'm just kind of throwing that money away when I could be buying a place. Sure, but think about how much money you'd be throwing away if you went and bought a place and then had to turn around and sell it. I mean, just real estate commissions alone uh, could be far more than whatever it cost you to rent. So always give it a test run, go check the place out. Maybe the perfect uh, retirement spot for you might be ideal, but there's still a lot to kind of take into account. And make sure, you know, the, the checklist you're talking about with the taxes, I believe that the U S and South Africa are the only countries in the world where you always have to pay income tax to them. You know that's a good that's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. You know more than I do on that. I just know that the US is one of them, which is where all my clients for the most part are located, so the one that I'm concerned about the most. But very few places can you run away from US taxes. And then when you're doing your trial run, like the rental, always check hospitals nearby and and along with the healthcare that the country covers as well. Yeah, I mean that's the same no matter where you go, right? I mean you know, uh, I'll, I'll use myself as an example. I, I oftentimes get uh, romanticized about the idea of living kind of out in the middle of nowhere for a period of time, which I know, Diane, you're probably going, what's the matter with you? But No, um, I'm with you on that. Yeah, <laughs> wouldn't it be cool to, you know, look out your back window and just see nothing? And not just talk see, to anyone. You know, <laughs> vast expanses of space. But there's there's some problems that go along with that, you know. Uh, uh, I take a trip uh, every year, or at least have for most of the, the past five or six years, uh, where I go to Colorado in the middle of nowhere. And it's very enticing and it's amazing and it's relaxing, but it takes an hour and a half to get to a grocery store. You know, I don't know that I want to retire that way. If you do, great, but at least be aware of it. If where I go, I would need to go find a hospital, I'm at least two hours from a good hospital and really I'm about four hours from a great hospital. That might not be the great or most ideal place to retire. So just make sure you take all those things into consideration. Give it a trial run before you actually drop a bunch of money and make a lot of lifestyle changes. You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. To schedule a meeting with Josh to go through the Aptus Blueprint process, call him at 614-364-7300. That is 614-364-7300. Zero, zero. Josh, let's take this to the next level because I saw something online about a couple who decided to retire early so that they could live on cruise ships full time. First off, is that anywhere near a realistic or reasonable option? And secondly, what are some of the most unique retirement lifestyle plans that, that you've seen or heard about over the years? Oh, I've seen a lot of really cool ones. And this one is, this comes up, I feel like it, it pops up on, on online at least, you know, every couple of months where you see somebody decided, and it usually goes something like this, rather than living in a uh, assisted living facility or retirement community, why wouldn't I live full-time on a cruise ship? Because there's an onboard doctor and, you know, the list goes on. It's less expensive, et cetera. I get to see beautiful places. There's always people who are happy around me that want to have good conversations. The food doesn't get much better. And is it a realistic option? I think temporarily, sure. You know, and maybe you're one of the very few people that wants to live on a cruise ship 
with a transient, ever-changing group of people for the rest of your life, in which case, by all means, if you can afford it, go do it. But for most people, it's a temporary, maybe a 180-day or, or a year or something like that. And I have had clients spend you know months and months on cruise ships doing just that, and they've enjoyed it. But it's always been a temporary plan and not a, a final plan. I've had clients you know, ranging from, and this is not a money concern, but I have a client that uh, him and his wife for a good three or four months out of the year literally live in their car and they travel around everywhere. They have a, a setup. And I'm not, when I say car, I don't mean a motorhome. I mean, they live in an SUV. Now, occasionally they'll stay in a hotel and this is not a money issue. Um, they just like being incredibly uh, mobile so they can go anywhere. And he's a ultra marathon runner and uh, he runs these races and likes climbing, you know, climbing mountains. And that is the ideal retirement for them. Um, if I try to convince my wife of that, uh, we would stay in the car one night. And by we, I mean, I would stay in the car while she was in a hotel. We're not staying in the car. So everybody's different. Um, I've had other people, you know, decide that they want to uh, stay in a particular area and hop around. Think Europe. So I'm going to live in Italy for a month and then move to Spain for a month and then move, move, move and keep going for, you know, the first year of my retirement. Clearly, that requires a lot of planning or uh, an incredible amount of resources to do. But if you're smart about it, if you take the time, you'd be amazed what you can do on a, on a pretty tight budget. Okay, I have questions about the SUV. <laughs> okay, fire away. So they don't have a tent. They actually sleep in the SUV. In the SUV, yeah. So the way that they've set up this SUV, or at least it's been explained to me, they have um, they have kind of a bed in the back of this SUV, and then they've built kind of some stuff around it. So it's very, uh, as they tell me, it's very comfortable. Well, and, and they're in national parks with showering facilities and stuff like that. Okay, okay. So they just take up one of those lots that a motorhome would take, and just have their SUV there. I guess, yeah. I, you know, it, again, I, I'm uh, I'm into roughing it and all, and seeing the national parks as much as the next person, but. Uh, I think I would do the bulk of my time in uh, in a place where I had an actual bed. But to each their own. You said crazy things. There's one. Well, yeah, I want to find out how to be crazy, too. So I just wanted specifics on that one. <laughs> well, I think it's crazy that he's, uh, you know, approaching 70 years old and still running 100 and 200 mile foot races. So, you know, I mean, everybody's got their thing. And uh, that's certainly an impressive one to me. Yeah, good for them. So back to the cruise ship. It is cheaper than in an assisted living facility in some areas of the country. For sure, yeah. And, and does it provide some level of health care? Yes. If you think about it, depending upon what room you're in, are you checked on consistently via a, you know, a butler and, and staff? Yeah. Do I think that you could do that and compare it to a true nursing facility? I mean, you're not having a nurse check on you constantly. It's not the same. But for somebody who's saying, you know what, I just, you know, I want to be around a lot of people. And I want to have, you know, constantly be kind of checked on, but I don't necessarily need round the clock medical assistance. It might be a viable option, but there's a lot of options like that out there, you know, ranging in different parts of the country in the way of like retirement-esque type communities. You just got to take a proactive approach to your retirement. And, and when we talk about retirement with people when they come in, obviously a lot of that is financial, but we've talked many times, Diane, about one of my first questions is what are you going to do? And the more proactive approach you take to your retirement, in other words, planning not just for that, can I afford it, but what am I going to do, seems to be, in my 20-plus years experience in this business, uh, seems to be something that drastically moves the needle in happiness 
once you enter into your retirement years. And, you know, you've been working your whole life saving for retirement. Don't just drift away when you hit retirement. Thrive in that environment. Take some time, plan for it, and get as much enjoyment as you possibly can. When you meet with a new client, you take them through the Aptus Blueprint process. And for those of us just joining the show um, who don't know about that process, let's talk about the rest of the things that you discuss during that time. Retirement planning done right takes some work. It shouldn't be simply uh, somebody coming into my office and me trying to sell them some financial product that's financially beneficial to me and hopefully financially beneficial to them, which seems like the experience that a lot of people have. It's actually the exact opposite. What should be done and the way that we do it is uh, a multi-step process where step number one, we call our discovery meeting, we get to know you. What are you trying to accomplish? What are you currently doing to achieve your goals? What resources do you have and what does retirement or whatever goal we're aiming for look like? And then in meeting number two, we'll just analyze what you gave us. In other words, if you keep doing what you're doing, will you in fact reach your goals? And then what could some speed bumps or landmines along the way be that could derail your plans? And then in meeting number three, we call it our blueprint process, and this is the blueprint meeting. We will give you an executable plan, a blueprint of changes to make to ensure that your arrow does in fact hit the target on whatever goal that is. And then not until meeting number four, if you haven't noticed, we haven't said anything about trying to sell you anything or some sort of sales process because we don't have one. And meeting number four, we'll just simply decide, is this a mutually beneficial relationship? Are we the right fit for you? And are you a good client for us? This is a long-term relationship. And if the answer is yes, then as with all things, it's going to require some transition and paperwork, et cetera, to get the process moving. But that decision is very mutual and uh, we're never going to try and you know, give you some sort of sales tactic to convince you that we're the right fit. We either are, we are not. To schedule an appointment to go through the Aptus Blueprint process, Josh's number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. And you can always join Josh as he talks retirement with Bruce Hooley every Monday at 12.30 p.m. right here on 98.9 The Answer. You can always find the recording of this show at aptuswealth.com, Josh's website. More with Josh Pick when we come back. We'll be back with more at the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick at 98.9 The Answer. To create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized, solutions-based approach. At Aptus Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptus Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptus Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614-364-7300. 7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your own planning session and to learn new strategies to manage risk, call Josh at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Let's talk about tax breaks, Josh. Who benefits the most from the ones that politicians are always bragging about? 
Well, this might come as a shock, but the second you said politicians and bragging about, it immediately leads me down the path of saying, be careful what you read because it can be definitely skewed one way or the other. And I'll give you an example. Oftentimes, politicians will use percentages when it benefits them, but then they'll use the actual number when it benefits them as well. So, for example, it doesn't sound as powerful to say, well, it's a half a percent difference, but it sounds a lot more powerful to say $900, right? So when they're trying to uh, kind of glaze over something, they'll use percentages. When they're trying to hammer a point home, they'll usually use a dollar amount. And you'll see this oftentimes when we're comparing high wage earners versus lower wage earners as it relates to a lot of different things. And it all depends on who benefits and who gets hurt by it based upon what we're talking about. For example, uh, if we look at 401ks, it could easily be said that the top wage earners benefit more, and that's in quotes, more from 401ks than lower wage earners. For example, if I put 10% of my income away, and so, and so does a lower wage earner, and let's say that I make a million dollars a year and a lower wage earner makes 50, well, then clearly I'm putting away more money because 10% of a million is a lot more than 10% of 50,000. However, it's the same percentage. Um, if we're talking about things like child tax credits, stimulus payments that we received, higher wage earners did not, do not receive those in the same capacity as lower wage earners. If we think about Social Security, higher wage earners pay more in a Social Security because their percentage is a larger dollar amount. However, Social Security is skewed in that your first dollar gets more credit towards your long-term payment in Social Security than your last dollar. It is tiered. So lower wage earners actually get a higher percentage benefit of their wages via Social Security than higher wage earners. So I don't know who wins there. It's debatable because you could say higher wage earners get more, but they actually get less of a benefit percentage-wise. So what you'll see throughout politics is there is constantly this tussling match. And I, you know, I don't begin to uh, try and explain which one's better or worse, just simply what the facts are. I think the huge takeaway is that when it comes to tax planning, there is no one-size-fits-all approach. And yet taxes are such a big bite out of your retirement income, such a big bite out of all of the income that you receive, that planning for it is necessary. And that plan can make a significant difference. And when you come closer and closer to retirement, and particularly in retirement, how and where you draw your income from can make a huge difference. So I tell you that because I hear this all the time. Well, you know, you have to pay the piper. Well, you know, you can't run from Uncle Sam. At some point, we're going to have to pay the taxes. And while those are kind of uh, blanketedly true, you can impact how much money you're going to pay in taxes and when with proper planning. So don't ignore it. Make sure you take the time to plan because it, it can make a big, big difference. And you have tax experts that you consult with and provide your clients with and work with. Yeah, yeah there's two approaches here. So one is, you know, let's say you run a, a large company and you need a, a CPA to help you with your corporate tax return, whether or not you're an S-corp or a C-corp or all these different things, clearly you need somebody to help you in that regard. If you're an individual that's just simply filing you know, a standard tax return, it's very simple, but you don't want to do it, 
Well, that's not really that complicated, but both scenarios require planning. So we do a lot of planning in-house to try and minimize what the accountant ends up reporting, but we also have very tight relationships with people that we work with all the time, and we would love to work with the people that you work with currently, so we make, make sure we're on the same page. I think the big takeaway here is we want to make sure that all of our efforts are coordinated and that we both know what's happening and why so that we're not tugging in opposite directions because this all correlates back to your retirement picture. Josh's number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. So Josh, on the subject of taxes, how important is timing when it comes to minimizing the impact of taxes approaching and and throughout retirement? It can be uh, tremendously important. So if you think about when you're working, for most people, uh, if you don't own your own business, uh, you are probably a W-2 employee. That would describe most people in the United States. And your objective when you're working is simply to make as much money as you possibly can. But all of that income is reported on a W-2. And at the end of the year, you get this W-2 tax return. You go file your taxes, and they tell you how much you owe. And you can do some things to minimize your taxes, uh, whether that's contributing to an HSA, a 401k, or only these tax-deferred vehicles, or even you know Roth IRA contributions. There's a lot of things you can do for sure. But you can't necessarily control the timing of your income because you're just going to work and make as much as you can every year. When you retire, however, you can control your income to some capacity. Can you, can, you can even control when you file for your Social Security. So you might retire at 65 but not file for your Social Security until you're 70. Or you might not retire until you're 70 and file for your Social Security at 67. So you do have some control. Now, pensions are a little unique, but uh, pensions are also becoming more and more rare. So most people that we encounter will have Social Security and retirement and savings accounts, maybe some rental properties, et cetera. You do have a very significant ability to determine where you draw that income from and when. For example, you could say, this year I need $50,000. 20000 of that's going to come from my Social Security. I'm going to take 10000 out of my savings account, which is after-tax dollars. I'm going to take 10000 from my Roth IRA, and I'm going to take the remainder from my IRA. I'm by no means saying that's the best uh, option. I'm just saying you could do that. That would be a significantly different tax situation than saying I'm going to take my Social Security at a later date, and I'm going to take all $50,000 from my IRA because those items are taxed differently. So now we have the ability to control when and how we take income, which will benefit. It's not just what we make, it's what we keep. It will benefit the amount of money that we pay our taxes. And Uncle Sam just simply gives us the guidelines and the rules to play by. But by no means is Uncle Sam inherently mad if we use those rules to our advantage. So that's what we should do. And we should plan not just for this year, but subsequent years and what we believe is going to happen with the tax laws moving forward. And I haven't met anybody recently, at least, that believes that tax rates are going to go down anytime soon. So the conversation that we're having today is just going to become a bigger and bigger conversation moving forward, meaning that if tax rates go up, then the more we can save on taxes, the bigger the impact when tax rates are higher. I would just, I have a difficulty believing that people can do this on their own, you know, try and figure out all the tax tax issues. Do you have people that come in, let's say they're already retired and they come for a second opinion to you and you've already seen where they've kind of 
wasted a lot of money in taxes where they could have scheduled it better or they could have worked with a professional that would have helped them save a lot of money? Yeah, I would say the the three biggest areas that I encounter where people really kind of run amok is fees. Uh, So in other words, being in investment products with incredibly high fees. You know, everything being equal, if you have twice as many fees, that damages your overall return in the long run. And if you think about an extra 1% over a period of 30 or 40 years, that can really take its toll. So that's one thing. The second is, you're right, poor tax planning. People taking money from the wrong investments or investing in the wrong vehicles along the way that really just didn't benefit them as much as they could based upon their scenario. And then the third is not really having a rhyme or reason to what they're investing in. For example, investing in a growth mutual fund because you're 20 and never changing that methodology and holding that all the way until you know, you're 65 years old. And the reason that that might be a bad idea is because the closer and closer you get to retirement when you're in that high growth area, it also has the most volatility. And unfortunately, sometimes we get people that come in that were thinking about retiring next, you know, the next week, the next month, the next year, and their investment portfolio had a huge retraction here as of late because they were just very, very aggressive for where they were in their lives. So yes, we encounter all that stuff, but it doesn't mean that it's the end of the road. It's all, you know, hopefully, for the most part, it's all fixable and we can still improve things. So just take that step and we'll help as much as we can. And for those new listeners, what is your approach to investing or Aptus's approach? Like, what is your, I learned about elevator speeches last week. What, what is your elevator okay. speech? Well, I don't know that I have a 10-second elevator speech, but I can tell you that our it's approach It's like 70 floors. Is, it's 70 floors. You're all right. It's 70 floors. Okay, yeah. good. I got time. Um, you know, our approach to investing is, one, it should be personalized to you. Two, we should keep fees as low as possible. Three, moving for the sake of moving money around just for, the, just for the heck of it is a waste of time and it's a waste of money on your part. But at the same time, there are trends that can be followed to limit your amount of risk. So if we can achieve market-like returns with less risk, that's our objective, particularly with the group of clients that we uh, help most of the time, which is typically in that very nearing retirement or in retirement category. And then making sure that we educate our clients in uh, showing them how to compare investments on a net-to-net basis. And what I mean by that is not simply looking at any investment and saying, ugh, that has no, you know, that I've heard bad things about those or I've heard good things about these. Or let's actually learn how to analyze investments and make logical decisions void of emotion. But then not ignore the fact that we are emotional people and invest in accordance with what we're capable of handling so that we live out our years, uh, both our earning years and our retirement years, not just financially comfortably, but emotionally comfortably, not trying to just jam ourselves in some one-size-fits-all portfolio where they say, well, this is the way I'm supposed to feel, so I guess I'll just try and... That never works. You have to invest in what you can actually tolerate and then come up with a plan that meets your objectives. We've reached the floor, all right, that we want. Josh's number is 614-364-7300. That is 614-364-7300. To schedule an appointment with Josh to go through the Aptus Blueprint process, that is the number you use. Josh's website is aptuswealth.com. And we'll have more with Josh Pick when we come back. 
If you're concerned about the market and you want to learn new strategies to manage retirement risks, call our office to learn more about the Aptus Retirement Blueprint today at 614-364-7300. There's no cost or obligation, but space fills fast. Give us a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. This is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your own planning session and to learn new strategies to manage risk, call Josh at 614 364 7300. That number again is 614-364-7300. Josh, what are the biggest factors that lead people's concerns about Social Security? Well, there's a lot of them. It's kind of one of those pull up a chair with a pad and paper kind of conversations. You know, Social Security has been a concern literally since I've gotten in the business. So this is not a new topic of conversation. However, we are kind of rounding the turn on some pieces to the puzzle that are just going to have to be fixed. So even if you go to Social Security's website right now, they have a long list of items that they're proposing that are up for change to be able to add solvency back into Social Security. It's long been known that at some point, Social Security is going to run out of money. The question is, what do we do to change that once it runs out of money? And that's up for a lot of debate. So there's a lot of concerns as to what that looks like. Things that are on the table, benefits could be cut. What does that look like? Does that mean that if I'm collecting, my actual benefits are going to be less next year than they were this year? Or does it mean that benefits moving forward are going to be cut? I'm of the belief that it'll be the latter, but you can see how this might cause a lot of trepidation amongst somebody who relies a lot on Social Security in their retirement. Cost of living adjustments tend to fall short. Even if we look at last year, you know, one of the, I think it was the highest increase in Social Security in the last 39 or 40 years. And that increase was, uh, let's just round and say 6%. But, you know, we've just been announced just recently here that, uh, you know, inflation is now 8.6% on the year. So while 6 sounds great, we're still almost 3% short of where we need to be. And that seems to be kind of a historical norm in that while Social Security goes up by some number, some percentage every single year, it doesn't seem to be accurately matching real inflation. And by real inflation, I mean things like food, gas, housing. Um, there's a lot of things that go into this calculation of, uh, of cost of living adjustments. And sometimes that can be skewed by things that we don't necessarily need, but some of them are wants. And we're talking about the increase in things that we have to have, food, shelter, et cetera. Um, And simply just all the rules could change. We don't know what that looks like. Um, Are they going to change the age in which we can collect Social Security? So for everybody today, full retirement age is essentially 67. But could they take that collection age to 70 or 68 or some who knows what number? Absolutely. But what we do know is that if things don't change, 
Social Security is going to change all by itself because it's going to run out of money. So we've been talking about all these things for decades, but we haven't had our hand forced yet. And sometime around 2030, 2032, that hand is going to be forced. Now, it's a political conversation. So do I think that anything is going to come to head in the next couple of years? No, I don't think any politician wants to jump on that grenade. I think they want to pass it to the next one down the line so that, you know, that particular party can blame them for having to change something. But ultimately, it's going to have to change at some point in the next 10 years. And there's a lot of trepidation as to what that change will look like. This is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your own planning session and to learn new strategies to manage risk, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Josh, valid concerns about Social Security that people have. So how much should we have stashed away in our 401ks or IRAs to be safe in our retirement years? Well, it depends on the person, of course. But I think, you know, what we tend to hear if we look on, you know, MSN or whatever, wherever you get your news online, uh, we often hear that, you know, you need a million dollars or you need this, you need that. Well, let's look at what people actually have. If you kind of ignore the the headlines and, you know, say, okay, it'd be great if I had a million dollars, what does the average person have? The average 401k balance in the United States is $142,000. But does that really tell the tale. Average, for those of you nerdy statisticians out there, is the mean, not the median. And what that means is it is an, you add everybody up and you divide by a number. Well, you know, I mean, the second Elon Musk walks into a bar, the average net worth of everybody in the bar skyrockets, right? But that doesn't mean that that is the, an, an accurate representation of the people in that particular bar. So if you look at the median, which is you know, the amount of people and then dividing by the amount that we have and kind of aiming down a little bit differently, it's about $35,000. And I know that it really isn't a lot, but it's the truth. You know, and what does $35,000 really generate? If you had $40,000 in a 401k right now and you were planning on retiring, there's a rule of thumb called the 4% rule, which would mean that you could draw 4% of that particular account for the remainder of your life adjusted for inflation and not run out of money. Some people challenge that rule, but that's a pretty long, tried and true tested rule, and I, I believe it can still work. So let's look at that and say, what does that look, look like? That's $1,600 per year off of $40,000. Now, if you're homesteading up in the mountain somewhere, living off the grid and you have everything paid for, that might be enough. Uh, but for most people, $1,600 in Columbus, Ohio, might be enough for, you know, uh, a couple of months rent. Uh, so, you know, we clearly need more than that. What is the right amount? I don't know for you, but this is what I would say. The easiest place to start is look at how much you need to live on. Let's say that that number is $4,000 a month. And you know that your Social Security is going to be $2,000 a month. So you are short $2,000 a month. Well, 2,000 times 12, that's 24,000. What number at 4% would I need to have to generate 24,000? And that number is roughly $600,000. That is a good place to start. Does that mean that it's the end-all, be-all number for you? No, but I know that's a scary number for a lot of people. But the point is, you can chip away at that. You might not get to that number, but you can get close. 
if you make good decisions, limit your fees, invest properly, and get started today with even a number that you think might be, you know, throwing a penny in the in the fountain and you need to fill the whole fountain up with quarters. I, I get it. It feels like it's not enough. But $5 per week starting today is a heck of a lot better than nothing. And the closer you get to that, the better your future looks. What are some other tips, Josh, for people that are worried they're not going to have enough for retirement and they're already close to retiring? Well, first, a lot of people don't know if they have enough or they don't. You'd be surprised how many people come into my office and they think that they're in an abysmal situation and they're terrified and they just, they come in, you can almost see it in their eyes knowing they're going to get bad news. And the reality is they're not going to. So first would be actually take the time to find out if you do in fact have enough or not. Because I think oftentimes people just believe they don't. Secondly would be, it's as simple as money coming in, money going out. So how do we improve both sides of that equation? Let's figure out a way to improve money coming in in retirement. And that may sound very simple, but I think over the last 20 years or so, we've gotten this belief that the amount of money that we have is the most important thing or our net worth is the most important thing. And I think some people get kind of that flipped on them a little bit when they retire and realize that cash flow is the most important thing and not my net worth. So there are a, a tremendous amount of things that can be done to increase the amount of income that your nest egg can generate over time. So we can increase the top line. The bottom line is, or I guess the middle before we get to the bottom line of what's left is what are your expenses? And there are always ways to improve that. And that does not mean that I'm going to tell you, you need to quit eating steak and go to tuna fish. What I mean is a lot of times we can manage things like debt. We can consolidate some things. Remember, this is about cash flow. You set up a 15-year mortgage, and that's really starting to hurt, when in reality you could have done a 30. And you go, I don't want to have a home payment for 30. Well, you're 72 years old. Um, you know, does it, does it matter? That's a decision that we have a conversation about. But improving cash flow is always a possibility. So I think you, know, you can do a couple of things. Always add more money when you can, but then try and make the whole process more efficient. And you'd be surprised how much you can move the needle just by looking at those two items. And what about using the equity in your home? Uh, today, very, very popular, very common. We're in a position now, thankfully, much different than what a lot of people are in the position of back in you know, 08, 09, where we could do these no-doc loans, et cetera. Now, not only did most people have to put a decent chunk of money down on their house, but they also, for the last decade or so, have had tremendously low interest rates, which allowed a lot of their payment to go towards principal. And we've had this huge inflationary environment in the housing market. So now you have people, a lot of people, that might only have you know, a $200,000 mortgage on a house that's worth $700,000. Uh, and the challenge becomes, okay, well, that's great, but I'd have to sell my house to realize it, and where am I going to move? Well, not exactly. There are options where you can actually turn some of that equity into income back to you while still living in that property for the rest of your life. So you can use other resources as well. And this is part of that whole conversation, Diane, about how do we lower our expenses and increase our income, maybe not necessarily at the same time increasing our net worth, but increasing the amount of income that our net worth can generate. Okay. And so... Another way is a home equity line of credit I wanted to talk about, but also what is the program or the loan program where it's a reverse mortgage? That's what it is. 
Yeah, I mean, essentially, you know, the reverse mortgage, nobody likes to use that word anymore because it's a, you know, dirty word. And if you rewind the clock back 10, 15 years ago, I, I can't disagree with that. It was kind of the wild west of maverick loan uh, companies really gouging consumers by overcharging, changing interest rates, super high commissions. That's been heavily regulated at this point. So there are ways either through a HELOC or a home equity line of credit, as they're called, or what we call a HECM loan which is essentially the new version of a reverse mortgage where you can access that money out of your home. And, you know, both have their advantages and you have to look at the individual scenario that you're in and which one makes the most sense. But the takeaway here is that you can access the equity inside of your home for your purposes of income or emergencies without actually having to sell your home. And there are ways that you can protect your home. So even if you do that, you can never get kicked out of your home, even if the interest on the loan starts to exceed um, the amount that they borrowed to you. So there's a lot of things that you can do. But again, it's all coming back to this. How can I use my assets the most advantageous way possible to generate the amount, most amount of income so that I can enjoy my life? This is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Peck. To schedule an appointment with Josh to go through the Aptus Blueprint process, his phone number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. And you can always join Josh as he talks retirement with Bruce Hooley for Money Mondays every Monday at 1230 p.m. right here on 98.9 The Answer. You can always find this recording at Josh's website, aptuswealth.com. We'll have more with Josh Pick when we come back. To create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized, solutions-based approach. At Aptus Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptus Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptus Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614-364-7300. 7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your own planning session and to learn new strategies to manage risk, call Josh at 614-364-7300. That is 614-364-7300. Josh, what are the most common mistakes you see people make with their retirement plan that were obviously influenced or encouraged by bad advice or a bad advisor? Yeah, for sure. You know, interestingly, you had asked, I think it was a few segments ago, you said, give me your your elevator pitch. And I think he gave me 70 floors, which was good because I wasn't prepared for anything, you know, 10 seconds or less. But one thing that I mentioned was while we firmly believe in a buy and hold type methodology, you have to be cognizant of trends. And the first thing that I would say, particularly in today's environment, that we see kind of time in and time out or day in and day out is people investing in bonds or bond funds in a rising interest rate environment. So here I am on one side saying you should buy and hold, and on the other side I'm saying uh, you might want to not take the same stodgy approach for the next five years or so. And what I mean by that is typically as we get closer and closer to retirement, 
uh, particularly in things like uh, target date funds or what we would call lifestyle funds. And if you don't know what that is, if you look at your 401k and it says, do you want to be in the 2020, 2030, 2040, 2050 fund? What those are saying is, if I'm planning on retiring in 2030, then the closer I get to 2030, the more that my portfolio starts to automatically shift from stocks to bonds. And the reason that it does that is because bonds are notoriously known for being less, quote, risky. Well, bonds are essentially IOUs. It's a company's way of borrowing money without going to the bank. They borrow money by coming to you. The problem is, if bonds next year for the same company, for the same period of time, are being issued at 5% instead of 4 and you want to get out of your bond because 4 doesn't sound good anymore, well, then you're not going to be able to sell your bond for $10,000 because just like in the housing world, if new houses are selling for the same price as old houses, why would I want an old one when I can get a brand new one for the same price? Same thing. Why would I want to buy your old bond at 4% when I can get a brand new one at 5%? And that's what we're starting to see here moving forward is people are starting to, and bond funds are starting to have to liquidate positions and it's having a catastrophic effect on bonds. So make sure you are looking at alternatives or shortening the duration on your bond portfolio. We're seeing it happening a lot. And it's a risky thing to have happen to you as you get closer and closer to retirement in today's environment. The other one, because we have these really low interest rates, is one thing that's very appealing to people is when I retire, I'm going to go buy an immediate annuity. And an immediate annuity is essentially a pension. And that is incredibly appealing because it can provide a lifetime uh, of income that you cannot outlive. There's a, there's a myriad of reasons why somebody would want one of those. The downside to them, though, is for the most part, very few exceptions to this, they do not go up by inflation. So if you retire at 65, it's very conceivable that in 20 years from now, you're going to need twice as much money, but you are locked into that amount of money. Now, granted, it lasts for the rest of your life, but it never goes up. On top of that, that annuity payment is going to be based upon where interest rates are at the time that you purchase it. Now, we are at historically low interest rates it may make sense to buy a deferred annuity for a period of time and then annuitize at a later date as interest rates continue to climb. That would be a decision that you cannot outdo for the rest of, undo for the rest of your life. So be very cautious of that. And kind of doubling down on the annuity uh, piece of this, remember that fees impact your overall performance. So one thing that we are very adamant about here is minimizing fees as much as possible. That doesn't mean that we can avoid fees altogether. We know that everything we invest in, somebody's got to get paid to do the management on it. We get that. But we don't want to overpay for the same thing. And variable annuities, while I'm not anti-annuity in any capacity, I am anti-annuity when it comes to variable annuities as a broad brushstroke. That does not mean that there aren't some good ones out there, but you really got to look. Most variable annuities charge a, what I would say is that in, unreasonable amount of fees for the benefits received. So think about it this way. If you went and bought a mutual fund and mutual fund A charges you one or one and a half percent in fees, you put that same mutual fund inside of a variable annuity, you're probably paying at least double that. And what are you getting in return? Probably not anything, or at least nothing that you're going to use. And variable annuity companies will chime in and say, well, there's these living benefits and there's all these other benefits and ancillary benefits. 
you can get all of those things in a much less fee structured platform via a fixed or fixed indexed annuity. So again, I am not anti-annuity, but I do believe that you should use annuities where appropriate and make sure that you're very cognizant of where we are in the interest rate environment and not lock into annuities for too long or bonds for too long. So the fixed index annuity, that's what you suggest. What Can you describe that? Yeah, so a fixed indexed annuity is just that. It's a fixed annuity. So if you want to look at a fixed annuity in general, that would be something that would be much like a CD where, we, where the insurance company simply says, we will pay you 4% interest for the next five years or whatever the duration is. One nuance between, uh, or two nuances between annuities and CDs is that you can get money out of almost every annuity early as opposed to CDs where you may only be able to get interest. You can typically get 10% out of an annuity every single year, so you can use it for income along the way. The other benefit to annuities is tax deferral. So if you're not using your CD, you still have to pay taxes on the gains that you receive every single year, even if it's money that you saved after you paid taxes on it. However, with an annuity, you get to continue to kick the can on those taxes, and you don't have to actually pay them until you use the money. Now, the only difference between a fixed annuity, very specifically saying we're going to pay you 4%, and a fixed indexed annuity is the fixed indexed annuity allows you to participate in the market up to a certain percentage. For example... A fixed index annuity might say, we will give you 60% of the upside of a particular index. For easy math, let's just say 50% of the S&P 500. So what would that mean? If the S&P 500, which is widely regarded as the stock market, were to go up by 10% and you had a 50% participation, you would get 5% for that year. And you go, well, that doesn't sound very good. It sounds like a 5% fee. That does sound like that on the surface, but remember, we're comparing it to fixed rates. So if fixed rates are only 4% and you're, willing, and you're able to generate 5 that sounds a lot better. On top of that, when the market goes up that year, you lock in that gain. So that 5% is now yours no matter what happens next year. So if next year the market goes down 10%, well, you're still up 5 and you get a 0 for that year. So if you want to think about it, the only thing that you are paying for, and this isn't mechanically exactly the way it works, but it's an easy way to think of it, is you are paying the insurance company for protection only out of your gains, not out of your principal. And when you compare that to fixed annuity rates today, it's very, very attractive. And you can still get access to all those living benefits and all those other things we talked about with variable annuities. You can just do it only with your gains rather than out of your principal. This is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your own planning session with Josh, his number is 614-364-7300, 614-364-7300. Josh, speaking of mistakes people can make in retirement, do you often run into people or have clients who sacrifice their present or future retirement happiness to help provide for a loved one? All the time. And I think when I say that, oftentimes we're immediately, we immediately kind of shift our attention to parents helping pay for children, which is very common, not saying that it isn't, but people who are in their 60s, 70s, even 80s, still helping their adult children who already have children. And I understand why that might come to be, uh, particularly as we look at the you know high inflation rate, um, the, the high cost of, of homes and parents feeling like, you know, we need to help our kids get on their feet because how in the world would we have done it if we were in the same environment? And that's a very noble aspiration, and I'm not taking anything away from them uh, for doing so. But we have to make sure that we do that within the 
realm of our ability. But as much as we think of that, there's also the flip side. And there are a lot of adult children that are helping fund their parents' retirement. Matter of fact, I read an article just recently um, or a study uh, from AARP, I think it was maybe 2020 or 2021, uh, where it said almost a third of adults have at least one living parent that they financially support. So what does that mean? Over 40% of respondents to this, this, to this study said they believe they're going to have to provide for their parents' future. Now, with a lot of immigrant families, uh, particularly, uh, you know, those south of the border, we're very familiar with, um, you know, kind of cohabitating families. It's very, very common for multi-generations of families to live under one roof. But this is kind of an unusual thing um, for the American populace up until recently. So, you know, are there things that we need to pay attention to? Now, let's just get this out in the open. And that is if, if my mother ever needed help from me, I would certainly provide it. And I'm, I'm not talking down to anybody who's doing that, but I think you need to kind of keep it within some guidelines. For example, you have to, if you're going to help a parent, you have, you have to make sure, or if you're going to help a child, you're going to have to make sure that they actually stay within the guidelines that you provide them. You know, it's one thing to help somebody that's in a difficult spot. My son, my daughter, uh, got in a little bit of credit card trouble. They put $10,000 on a credit card. It's crippling them. I'm going to pay off their credit card because I want to help. Okay, fine. But we got to make sure that that child or that adult learns from that mistake and you're not constantly bailing that person out because what is happening there? They're learning nothing. They're living well beyond their means, which at some point is going to catch up to them, particularly if you're the older parent and you pass away. I mean, you can't take care of them forever. But at the same time, they're kind of bleeding you dry based upon their inability to budget and their inability to live within the confines of what you can afford. You definitely don't want to give up on your own dreams in totality because of a parent or because of a child. So here I am. I'm trying to save for my retirement. I'm trying to save for my kid's education. I'm trying to save for all of this stuff. And, you know, my parent is spending three months out of the year in Florida, and I'm not contributing to my 401k because I'm trying to subsidize their lifestyle that's far beyond what they should be able to afford. That's just simply not fair. And ultimately what I find with that is people end up building up a lot of resentment and then it ends very, very poorly. So setting strong guidelines is critical and also bringing all the other siblings into the pool is critical. So if you have a brother, sister, make sure everybody's on the same page and we're pooling resources as much as we possibly can. But I think that huge takeaway is make sure that you set guidelines and then you remain strict to them and don't let your emotions get in the way because ultimately that forgiveness will turn to resentment. And I've just seen that happen too many times. Just trust me, uh, learn from the mistakes of some of my other clients that you want to stick to that, uh, that plan. Josh's number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. That's it for this week. Thanks so much for joining us, everyone. And we will talk to you next week at the same time and same place. You've been listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint radio show with host Josh Pick. Josh helps guide his clients through retirement by managing risk instead of chasing returns. He calls it a blueprint, and you can get started at no cost or obligation. Give the team at Aptus Wealth a call today to schedule your consultation at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300 or online at aptuswealth.com. That's A-P-T-U-S wealth.com. 
To learn strategies to manage risk in the new economy, join us again next weekend right here at 98.9 The Answer. Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing company. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.